All right, that's well done. The Titans are ready to go. Here's Roger. That was good. With the 22nd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Caleb Farley, defensive back, Virginia Tech. Welcome along to the glorious niche that is a British Tennessee Titans podcast. We are the Transatlantic Titans. Um, you can find us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, plenty of podcatchers, lots of less successful podcatchers. Um, even ask Alexa to play us. Um, who knows what you might hear when you do that, uh, but you can do. Um, I'm Adam. I've got Miles and Harry and um, familiar voices to you um, with me as well. Um, hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, we're, we're, well, we're not experts on anything in general, um, but we're probably not the biggest experts on the draft. Um, but we've got a proper um, expert. I'm building you up here um, to come <laughs> along and help us review the draft and where, well, where the Tennessee Titans are in general. Um, if you don't follow Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles on Twitter, I'm not sure you're even a Titans fan. Um, but um, you certainly wouldn't be a, a very well-informed one. So, well, for your second time on the show, um, welcome along, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me here. Very flattering introduction. Um, I, I'll try to uh, try to live up to it here. <laughs> I'm honestly not just saying that. I mean, there's, there's plenty. I mean, Titans Twitter, we all know what a weird place that can be. Um, but you're probably one of the most level-headed sort of your, your opinions generally seem to be either where I'm at or you'll convince me that I should be <laughs> more or less on the same page. Um, yeah, there can be, there could be rumors that go into overdrive um, at times. And generally I think what, what comes from your feed and yeah, doubtless your, your podcast as well um, is generally bang on the money. So um, fingers crossed. We, uh, we don't set you up for a, for a fall here, but um, <laughs> who knows? Um, I mean, well, firstly, I mean, before we get into the draft, um, what were your thoughts on free agency and how John Robinson and the Titans did um, a bit of, of, well, some change in personnel? Obviously, the likes of John who Corey Davis didn't get new new deals with the, the Titans have gone elsewhere. Um, you know, replacements, well, the, those positions probably haven't been filled yet, but there have been other replacements such as Bud Dupree. I mean, how, how do you feel it's gone so far? You know, you know I think it's, it's an interesting move, right? Cause the, the Titans had kind of been investing in fixing the offense for really, it feels like, you know, a decade um, prior to these past couple seasons when everything kind of clicked into place when Ryan Tannehill got in and, and they finally got AJ Brown in place and, Derrick Henry took off and the offensive line kind of gelled. It all kind of came together for the offense. Finally, after years and years and years of first round picks and big free agent signings and, you know, all these different attempts to fix what, what was, was really broken with this franchise for such a long time. Uh, and then they finally got it fixed. And now, you know, it, it's kind of feels like they're, they're taking some pieces, some resources from the offense and using them to fix the defense, which broke uh last year and, and was you know the you know ultimately i think in the the playoff game you could make an argument that the defense held up their bargain uh but maybe the offense was the one that let them down in the playoffs but that certainly wasn't the uh trend of the entire season um and, and the defense was definitely holding back this team uh throughout the regular season so I think very clearly, you know, you go and get Bud Dupree, you go and get Danico Autry, you go and get Jack Rabbit and Jenkins. Uh, those are the three, I think the three biggest signings money-wise that they they made uh, in the offseason. And those those guys are all, you know, coming in to address an immediate need. They needed to get better at, and, and it's specifically pass defense related, right, with kind of the direction that they're going. It's, hey, we yeah. didn't rush the passer well enough. We didn't cover well enough. And so – they basically completely remade their cornerback room. Um, Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, obviously gone. Desmond King gone. Uh, Fulton's the only one really that's back uh, from last year's group, and obviously he you know, barely played last year as a rookie, mostly due to injuries. Um, so now you've got a brand new group uh, on that side of the ball. You've got you know two new edge rushers joining Harold Landry. You've got Danico Autry kind of taking the the Daquan Jones role, and again, that's that's more of a 
Danico Autry is more of a pass influencer, pass game influencer than Daquan Jones was. Daquan Jones was a good run stuffer, but very one-dimensional. Danico Autry is a little bit more well-rounded and is really more geared to stopping opposing passing attacks. And that's what the NFL is now. It's can you pass, can you stop the other team from passing? Almost exclusively. That's well, what matters. Unless you play in the Tennessee Titans. Exactly. Exactly. The Titans are one of the very rare uh, kind of exceptions to that rule from a running game standpoint. But um, they are very much designing their defense to stop the Patrick Mahomeses and the Josh Allens and, and everyone else in the AFC that's kind of sitting there at the top. You know, obviously the Ravens and maybe the Colts accepted uh you know most of the afc is is very pass heavy uh you know pass you know focused offenses so they they're putting their resources into fixing that problem and you know we'll see if it works that i think bud dupree is very exciting i think autry's probably their best value yeah. signing um but yeah it it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see where it all comes together one one question on that i i have is whether whether this masking other issues by suggesting that the the roster is the problem um when last year there was no defensive coordinator um um this year arguably it's well it's kind of the same except that one's been appointed in name um is is there any argument to suggest that that it's sort of not passing the bucks the right phrase but um trying to paper over those cracks by saying right it's the roster that's broken it's it's the cornerback's haven't worked we need we need fresh talent um is that fair in your opinion um i you know i don't know that it's necessarily fair but it's definitely what they have both publicly and through their actions told us that they believe was the problem they think it was the players and and of course with the shane bowen issue he was not good last year no one no one would make the argument that he was um but he was a very young guy doing it for the first time you know, you would expect him to at least get a little bit better with experience. And to that point, they also brought in Jim Schwartz uh, as a senior defensive assistant to kind of help Shane Bowen's development, I think. So I, getting that veteran voice in the room at least makes me feel a little bit better about Shane Bowen year two than I would have if it was just him going at it alone, you know, with, with Vrabel basically trying to trying to mentor him who Vrabel only spent one year as a defensive play caller at the NFL level. So the fact that they've got a guy that had been doing it for, you know, over a decade at a really high level to me helps me feel better about what that, that defensive coaching staff looks like as a whole. Now there's still, you still have questions about Jim Hazlitt and inside linebackers. You still have questions about Anthony Midget uh, in the secondary there's certainly guys on that coaching staff that you can say, all right, I've got my eyebrows raised. And if Rashawn Evans and Kevin Byer don't get back to being, you know, plus players this year, you know, it's probably time for us to move on from those coaches that are, you know, maybe contributing to them, not playing to the level that we're used to seeing them play to. So certainly the coaching staff is a concern. Obviously they, you know, Vrabel and, you know, I would think that John Robinson has to at least sign off on uh, what the idea is here from, you know, hey, you're asking me to gut all of my defensive players, basically, and totally rebuild this thing in one offseason. You better be really sure that Shane Bowen is not the problem. Um, So I feel like it's kind of a it's a big bet on Brabel and and Bowen and, you know, that their word is correct uh as far as what yeah, yeah. went wrong with the defense last year but um yeah we'll, we'll see how it all pans out of course but it's uh i think it's very fair to be concerned still about the defensive coaching staff until we see results start to reflect something different and and if it's terrible again we'll know for sure right so yeah um, yeah yeah they'll there'll be jobs called into question at that point surely um if, if that's the case but yeah let's let's hope it's not um, onto, onto the draft then. And I mean, the, for the first round, there were probably noises from people suggesting that the Titans should go wide receiver. Um, but at 22, obviously you're, you're letting it pan out, um, to see what's available. Um, but cornerbacks seem more likely the closer we, we got to the draft. Um, I mean, given the last couple of first round picks and we, 
Harry, Miles, and I we were chatting before uh, before you you came on air um, about the fact that arguably the last two first round kit first round picks, um, John Robinson's gambled. Um, so yeah. Jeffrey Simmons, huge upside, injury concerns. Um, 2020 guy. I'm not even sure we should mention his name on the, on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we know what happened there. But again, huge ceiling. Um, it didn't pan out. This time, I mean, again, injury concerns. Um, Caleb Farley, um, his ceiling's huge. Um, fastest fastest player in the NFL, potentially. Um, is, is this a gamble worth taking? Um, how do you, well, how do you see the upside? Um, and yeah. Obviously, the ish, potential issues are obvious, um, but how significant are they? Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, John Robinson, if you can say a lot of things about him, but you can't say he's not willing to go for it, right? I mean, <laughs> he, he definitely takes big swings, uh, and especially with his first-round picks. And I think it's worked out so far with Jeffrey Simmons, obviously not so much with last year's guy. Farley, to me, feels more like Simmons. Um, you know, it from a talent standpoint, there's way less doubt about it. I mean, Simmons going into the uh, 2019 draft, some people had him as high as like the second ranked overall player on their boards uh, prior to the ACL injury. And then he obviously falls to 19. So that, that's tremendous value there. Farley was, you know, going to be a top 10 pick uh, before the second back operation. Um, and obviously, you know, Anytime you have a back operation, that's a little bit worrisome, especially for a 21-year-old kid who, you know, is playing professional football, uh, you know, coming this fall. Um, that's that's a concern. But I think John Robin John Robinson has been through this before um, with Rob Gronkowski. He was part of the uh, personnel department that drafted Gronk back in, I think it was 2009. Um, and... Robinson, having seen that, you know, Gronk was coming off a very similar surgery that that Farley had uh, at Arizona. He missed his entire senior season at Arizona because of the injury he came out. Uh, and that was part of why he slid into the second round. Gronk, again, similarly, immensely physically talented. Everybody knew that he had uh, the talent in him. It was whether or not he could stay healthy and get on the field. Well, Gronk has had uh, an 11-year NFL career, probably the best tight end of all time, uh, certainly going to go into the, the Hall of Fame. Um, so it's worked out, right? It's worked out for Gronk. Now, he's missed some games, and, and he's had back issues pop back up at the NFL level. So I'm not saying that Farley will never have another medical issue for the rest of his career. Certainly, he probably is going to get hurt at some point, uh, and, and you hope that the back is able to hold up. But you know, our uh, one of my co coworkers at BroadwaySportsMedia.com, uh, Josh Hong, his, he's a physical therapist. Um, he he wrote about Farley's injuries um, and the risk of of re injury, the risk of decline in performance, that kind of thing, um, and cited medical studies uh, that specifically looked at football players and, and the herniated disc issues that he's had in his lower back and. The studies found, you know, 80% return to similar level of play. Um, and uh, that sample size was also for 20, I think seven, 27 and a half years old was the average age for that sample group that they looked at. Um, so Farley being much younger, obviously when you're younger, you recover from stuff better in general. So I would say the odds of Farley returning to his normal level of play is quite high. Um, you know, I, I think he's... The risk is the, I guess the the odds of him getting back and playing and not really having a huge issue are way better than the odds of him just suddenly falling apart physically. I, I think, and if he does get back to his regular health and he does become uh, the player that they drafted him to be, he's got like best cornerback in the NFL upside, like the full package, six two two oh seven, like elite size, elite length, elite speed, like fastest guy possibly to be on a football field since like Daryl Green, uh, you know, Chris Johnson kind of speed. I mean, that's the kind of speed we're talking about for this guy, but he's at a way bigger size than most of those guys were. Uh, and, and he's got the stop start. He's got the feet, the match and mirror ability. And 
the biggest key to me too that separates him from uh, you know kind of the 2020 first round pick is it, attitude wise. This guy is is pissed off that he fell to 22. He is he's not happy to be a first round pick. He is mad that he was not the first cornerback taken. He is mad that he didn't go in the top 10. He feels like he's got something to prove, um, and he's got confidence like crazy. And I feel like you've got to have that as a corner. I. I think you're making a good bet by betting on Caleb Farley in the first round. And and if you hit, the hit is franchise-changing defensively because a lockdown corner is worth its weight in gold uh, at the NFL level, and that's what he can be if if he uh, stays healthy and pans out the way they think he will. On that, do you think that, obviously we've used the word like gamble and bet quite a lot on that, that pick, does that make you think that John Robinson is almost playing with house money, that he's got the backing of ownership, that Amy Adams strunk, no matter if that kind of pick hits or if it flops like 2020 pick did, do you think she's still going to back him? Because I was saying beforehand, before we started recording, sort of a 66% hit rate on a gamble is really good. A 33% yeah. hit rate, and people start to think this GM ain't up to much. Um, couple that up with a couple of very questionable free agency signings last year, Note Beasley and and a couple of gambles this year as well. Do you think he does have that full back in the ownership? I think he does. And, you know, he certainly does have some some misses. And especially, like you said, recently, you know, he's had a few. The last offseason was, was bad. I mean, and I think we do have to give him credit for getting Tannehill and Henry to, to re-sign at, at good value deals for both of those guys. Um, but the rest of that offseason is basically a wash. It, you know, it was just you didn't get anything out of the guys that you spent the most money on in free agency. You didn't get anything out of your first-round pick. That That is a terrible result. Um, but I think with, with Robinson, you've got to look at the big picture. And, and making a move at GM is just such a disruptive – thing for your NFL franchise that, you know, if you pull the plug on him, you know, most of the time, if you bring in a new guy, new guy wants to hire his new coach, and then you're changing offensive scheme, defensive scheme. Now you've got to change out all the players. So it's really kind of like you really change the whole franchise when you do make those moves in the front office. And that's why I think those guys tend to have a little bit longer leash even than, than coaches. But um, overall, you know, he's 47 and 33 as a general manager, hasn't had a losing season yet. I think those results, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning and losing football games. And as long as those results t- continue to trend in a positive direction for him, I, I don't think – I think he's still got – he could have a bad season in 2021. Like the Titans could come out and just, you know, say they go 7-10 and 10 or whatever. I'm still getting used to the 17-game schedule thing. But uh, we, say I they go 7-10. I can't stand and, this, by the way. Can, can yeah, this go it's away? very strange. It's it really, really messing with my head. Um, but – Say he goes seven and ten. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think you know, yeah, it would be disappointing. He'd miss the playoffs. They they would probably have to take a long look at some of the coaching staff. Uh, but I don't think Robinson's going anywhere. I don't think Vrabel's going anywhere unless they start stacking poor results on top of each other. Or if maybe if next year was a total disaster and they were like one and sixteen and a total embarrassment, maybe that starts to heat things up a little bit. Has- but. Has Adam Rank's prediction come out yet? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can only expect it'll be somewhere around that range. I don't think it, it was it, a win with Adam this year, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit weird when... I mean, I, I think some of this noise comes from, away from Titans fans, but you know, other football fans in general. But when a team's just gone 11-5 and five and won the division, um, to have those kind of question marks it is a bit strange. Um, however, we all saw how bad that defence was at times. Um, and it was, yeah, we don't want to talk about the, the playoff game against Baltimore, do we? Um, but right. it was it was heartbreaking on many levels. Um, all right, the se- second round pick. Um, well, the, the tackle position. Yeah, again, we, we don't want to mention that guy's name from 2020, but he didn't feature anyway. Um, Dennis, Dennis Kelly walking or well, being shown the door, I should say, it was one of the most baffling things, I th- in my opinion, in free agency, um, given the lack of cap hit, um, given the fact that he wasn't on a, a, a huge salary like some others. Um, 
just seemed seemed a no-brainer to me and actually quite a difficult player to to replace. Um, but at tackle, we have drafted. My first question, actually, on him is, how do you pronounce um, Dylan's surname? <laughs> it's Raiden's. Raiden's. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one just looking out on the page. There's a lot of different ways you can go, but Raiden's, according to Dylan, is the way that it is. <laughs> um, is is he a guy that can can step in straight away? And um, tell us a bit about him. Yeah, so I, I think he's, I think he's got a chance because you know, frankly, you know, Kendall Lamb isn't a huge hurdle to clear. Um, you know, he's been kind of a career backup, I and mean, frankly. Kendall Lamb has a similar background to what Dennis Kelly did um, before Dennis Kelly took the starting job last year. So, so there's Lamb is a, is a, a probably a fine guy. Like if you had to start him next season, he's okay. Especially he's especially okay if he's by far your worst offensive lineman, which I think he would be uh, if the season was to start today and he was the starter. Um, but Raiden certainly certainly offers more upside. He's a really good athlete. Um, played at a small school, but played at a really high level um, in college. Didn't allow any sacks his final full season uh, at North Dakota State. So he was uh, very productive, very athletic. And then he went to the Senior Bowl, which is a big deal, especially for small school guys, because they always get the question of, you know, sure, you dominated, but you dominated against guys that are going to be like, you know, insurance salesmen uh, next year, not NFL players. So him going to uh, the Senior Bowl, and he was named the practice player of the week for the whole Senior Bowl. So out of every player that was there, he was the guy that that put in the best work and won most regularly in one-on-ones and everything like that. So he went and really dominated at the Senior Bowl, and that's against guys that were in his draft class. Rashad Weaver was down there uh, that the Titans drafted, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, – there was a you know a lot of NFL draft picks down there, and he dominated against really high level competition. So I think that that kind of calms some of the fears of of the small school guy. But yeah, I think he comes in. I think he competes right away. I think we really do have a right tackle battle this year. I know um, we expected to have one last year, and it never really came to fruition because you know one of the guys didn't really want to show up. If you say his name by accident, I can bleep it out. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to tiptoe around it. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, one of the guys didn't show for that battle. I think both these guys are going to show. I think it's going to be a real competition. And I could see Raiden's winning the job right outright to start the season. Uh, that sounds good to me for, for a second rounder. Um, yeah, going a bit further down, we've got Monty Rice, um, inside linebacker out of Georgia. Um I mean, I, I don't know too much about him. I mean, third rounder as well, obviously with the compensatory pick, um, Elijah Molden um, from Washington. Uh, those those two guys, um, much to be excited about. Um, are either of them likely to slot in in either spot? I get, I'm guessing not immediately. I'm uh, I'm I'm lukewarm at best on Monty Rice. Just. He was he was okay. Like he's a he's a really good athlete. He's a little short. Uh, I think he's only six foot, um, two hundred and thirty three pounds. So you know, decent size, decent thickness uh, for for an inside linebacker, but not not very tall. Um, he uh, was kind of like it's funny. He's very much Rashawn Evans Jr. to me. I mean, he he's kind of got the same strengths and weaknesses. Like he's good downhill thumper good tackler uh but turning and running in coverage is not his strong suit he he tends to get exposed in coverage um gave up a lot of catches over the middle at georgia so that there's a problem there um now i don't think he's gonna play right away. i think he'll play on special teams quite a bit um early on but i i think the monty rice pick to me was very much a clear shot at at rashawn evans that hey your replacement is now on the roster, and if you don't pick it up this year, we're just going to let you walk at the end of the season. And they may let him walk at this point either way. Um, but I think Monty Rice is very much puts uh, Rashawn Evans on notice and puts his so job in jeopardy. Basically like the Packers drafting Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically, yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a lower stakes inside linebackers version of that. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's very much – Hey, this guy's here to take your job. And I don't think he's going to take it right away. Um, but, 
you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. And I think that's, that's definitely lighting a little bit of fire under Rashawn Evans. Um, Elijah Molden, the other pick, uh, at pick 100 in the third, I am super excited about, um, undersized, not, you know, a blazing 40 time, like Caleb Farley. He's kind of almost the anti Caleb Farley physically. He's a shorter guy, uh, not super fast, short, short arms. And that's why he fell to where he did. Because if you look just at production uh, tape, what he did for his team at Washington, this guy was all day long a second-round pick. And some people, I know NFL Network's Bucky Brooks had him as a potential sleeper getting into the first round. So um, Molden is like, to me, and I know this is a huge comp that um, probably isn't terribly fair to Molden because, you know, I – I don't necessarily expect him to live up to this guy, but he's very much in the Tyron Matthew mold. He is undersized. He's not super fast, but he is fiery, aggressive. He's a great tackler, and he's a playmaker. He he gets his hands on the ball. He had PFF's best slot coverage grade that they've ever given out to any player since they started covering college football in 2014. Um, so this guy was immensely productive at Washington, uh, known to be, he was the defensive play caller for uh, Washington um, the last two years, I believe, which is rare for a, a nickelback. Um, and he's a guy that probably can only play inside in the nickel. He's not ever really meant to be an outside corner at the NFL level, but I think he could give you a little bit of safety, uh, you know, positional versatility as well. So, I think he's going to come in and compete for nickel snaps right away, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he slides into that role that uh, Amani Hooker has played the last couple years, which is basically kind of third safety coming in in some of the the big nickel, big dime packages where they've got three safeties on the field together. I think Molden probably slides into that role. I, I, I think Molden's going to play this year. It's just a matter of how much. Okay. Well, that's this, that definitely sounds positive. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, we'll maybe come back to, we'll talk about receivers um, in, in general. Um, there's a bit of a hole there. Um, <laughs> Rashad Weaver, now, um, the story here with him is nothing to do with what he could do on the field. Um, I mean, I'm guessing, I'm guessing nobody knew. He certainly wasn't about to tell the team on draft day um, what he'd been up to. Um, I don't know if he thinks, oh, I might be able to get away with this. Maybe, maybe no one will ever find out. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- this might it might all prove to be untrue. Um, it's probably too early to comment, but you don't. I'm guessing. First, well, first question: Is there anything the team have done wrong here, um, or is this just one of those things? I, I think the team um, is certainly deserving of some criticism about the the fact that they they say they did not know. Um, that they found out Monday morning after the draft. And, you know, Paul Koharski has reached out to scouts with several dif- different teams now, and other teams did know. It, not all teams knew, but other teams did know. So I think there's some criticism that is due to the Titan scouting department for the fact that they, w- if you're going to take him, like, is, I mean, for all we know, the teams that didn't know may not have had a whole lot of interest in Rashad Weaver either way. Um, so if you're going to take him, I think you have to know that you have to be calling around. You have to have the sources on the ground, uh, that would tell you that kind of thing. Um, you know, when, when the file, the charges got filed on the 30th, um, the day before he got picked, um, and granted, you know, maybe it was at the end of the day, maybe it it just kind of got under the radar. And then by the time they were up and, and getting ready for the draft, they, weren't calling to check with police departments for these guys. You know, I, there are reasons for them to not have known, but it doesn't make it look good when you have last year's situation, which there was certainly maturity issue reports out there uh, about, you know, he who shall not be named um, before the draft. And then, you go and you pick them and then it all comes back to bite you. Well, now you go into this draft and you're saying you didn't know about this, this issue and it's another off the field thing. And I don't think Weaver's the same guy. I, you know, I, all reports are that 
he was a good character guy at Pitt. He was a hard worker. He was very much, um, you know, model citizen during his time there. And maybe this is just one bad moment. It's very, very bad moment uh, if what he is accused of doing actually happened. Um, but it's it's just not a great look on the franchise either way. Like whether they knew about it, whether they didn't, it's not a great look. Um and we'll see. Like, you know, obviously you hope that it's it's not true uh, for his sake and, and for everyone involved's sake. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out that, I guess, as the, the, you know, the court process uh, continues. I mean, we could be the Jags who actually traded up to draft a convicted felon. Um, yeah, we're not. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, true. Other, I mean, other couple of names drafted um which are great names um racing math and uh brady breeze why he's playing at safety i do not know with that name um i mean is there anything to be excited about other than two amazing names obviously yeah fantastic names and i really i you know i was convinced that they just you know ran out of draftable players and they were like oh these names will be super fun to, to say um so i yeah i don't know i both of these is that guys, how, that's how you pick a horse that's how we pick a horse for the grand national or the kentucky uh, derby you know exactly the these could the both name. be uh kentucky derby horse names really for all, for all we know they, they, they this could have been like Vrabel, who we all know is like a he is a, a guy that likes to go to the kentucky derby uh when when uh, when he can uh maybe he just picked a couple horse names so um but McMath is interesting. Um, size speed guy, like 6'2, 210, runs in the four threes. Like, that's awesome uh, physical makeup. But he was stuck behind, obviously, LSU's elite wide receivers. Didn't play a whole lot uh, as a wide receiver for LSU. Um, did play as a special teamer and was really, really good at it. So I think you could see him make the roster as a special teams guy. And then you hope that maybe Rob Moore, the wide receivers coach, can develop him into something you know kind of kind of get something out of that physical skill set um but i i don't think you should have any expectations for him as a receiver best chance best chance for this year you're probably you know hoping he gets on the back of the roster as maybe a gunner and on the special teams unit um and then brady breeze is kind of a similar situation he, he probably needs to make the team on special teams um but he can do that he was really good as a special teams player at oregon um, and then he he kind of maybe is more interesting to me because he did start uh, at, at Oregon in 2019 and really kind of came on as the year went on. And he was a, a relatively highly ranked recruit coming out of high school, um, four star kid in, you know, Oregon recruits really well. So usually their, their teams are very talented. Um, but he was the MVP of their bowl game of the Rose Bowl uh, that year. Uh, scored three defensive touchdowns. So he's got some stuff uh, on his resume that can you know, be a little bit interesting. And I think he's a guy that, you know, if he makes the roster as your fifth safety and you play him on special teams and can use him there, that maybe he could develop into something where you're able to use him on defense in the next, you know, two to three years as you develop him. But yeah, I think, I think Brady Breeze is a guy that I'm at least interested to see uh, kind of how they, they use him. Okay. I mean, those were the drafted picks. Um, undrafted, I mean, they've a couple of signings. It's It then gets silly season um, where <laughs> hundreds of players um, are, then, are then considered and whittled down eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've got the a tight end out of Alabama, um, Miller Forrestall. Forrestall? Have I said that right? Um, yeah. Then, yeah, a couple of other additions in the, in the past week. I mean, I mean, may not come to anything. Fred Brown, um, who has his career-long um, reception against the Titans um, a year ago. <laughs> um, Brian Hill at running back. I mean, I, I suspect these, these, these might not be guys that, that make the final roster. I don't know. Um, uh, he's, he's not going to be stealing too many snaps away um, from, from Derek Henry, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, gaps that remain on the roster in terms of... Um, big names or, or big holes that need to fill. Um, the obvious one, um, we've drafted Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round. Um, it yeah, arguably, you know, you mentioned Monty Rice uh, in the, in the third, um, that might've been a spot that we could have looked at a receiver. 
does the fact that the Titans didn't and, and left it till death Fitzpatrick suggest that another name might be on the horizon? I, I still think there's, I, I think there's going to be a move made at either wide receiver or tight end, you know, possibly both, I suppose, but I think they're going to add another pass catcher before training camp and, and whether that comes, you know, one thing I think we're going to see with the cap being so tight and everything this year, teams kind of restacking their roster over the next couple of weeks with their new draft picks in house, knowing who they have now and seeing if there's expensive veterans that maybe they can, you know, get rid of because they drafted a guy to replace him. And a guy that jumps to mind for me is Jamison Crowder with the Jets. He's set to make $10 million this year. None of that's guaranteed. Uh, they just drafted Elijah Moore. They've already got Corey Davis. They took Denzel Mims in the second round last year. They've got a couple other guys that are uh, nice pieces. To me, it makes no sense for them to keep Crowder on a $10 million salary uh, for this year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get cast aside and for the Titans to look to pick him up. Now, obviously, there's bigger names out there than Jamison Crowder, but Crowder's the kind of guy that I think you would immediately add and feel a lot better about your receiving core because, you know, A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and and Jamison Crowder, you can look at and go, okay, I can see that, especially for a team that has Derrick Henry on it, um, being good enough to produce and give you what you need to have a really good offense. So um, I think there's there's definitely a move left to be made, but the, the pick of Des Fitzpatrick is interesting to me because – the fact that they traded up to get him, um, you know, they were they were sitting, I think, about 20 picks back. They traded up. They gave up a fifth-round pick um, and, I believe, another pick uh, to move all the way up. I think it was a fifth and a seventh to move all the way up to the top of the fourth to get uh, Des Fitzpatrick, which tells me, and, you know, guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace were still on the board. It tells me that they had a way higher grade on Des Fitzpatrick than they did those other guys. And that he was kind of sticking out at the top of their board as, hey, this is the best wide receiver left by far. Um, now, other other draft analysts, most of the media draft analysts did not have Des Fitzpatrick anywhere near the top of that that list at that point. But the Titans have done this before, and I have to give them some credit because Kevin Byard was once a third-round pick that nobody thought was going to go until day three. They picked him at the very first pick in the third round, uh, and a lot of people thought, oh, well, that's way high for him. He didn't even get invited to the combine, like, you know, a small school guy, everything like that. It's worked out for them, right? So just because they went out on a limb doesn't mean they're wrong, but I do think it means they've got a big grade on Des Fitzpatrick. I do think it means that they think he can come in and contribute right away. And I wouldn't be surprised at all, just given his skill set. You know, he's got good size. He's got good speed. Um, he's good at getting off press. He's good at working back to the ball. He does a lot of the little nuanced things that drive coaches crazy. He does a lot of those things well, uh, whereas other young guys that come out don't. And that's what ends up getting the that's what ends up getting you a really talented receiver that's sitting on the bench behind a boring old veteran is because they don't come back for the ball and, and they get their quarterback picked off or they, they can't get off press. And so they just die on, on a route and get their quarterback sacked. So those little things Des Fitzpatrick does well, I think is going to put him on the field early. And, and he's also a really good, you know, nobody wants to hear this as a Titans fan, but he's really good blocking wide receiver. Um, so he puts a lot of effort into it. He tries. He actually does get out and, and be physical with these defensive backs. So that was um, something with Corey Davis, right? Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. It was, that was a big part of, of what Corey Davis brought to the table. And so I think he's got some of those elements uh, that Davis had. Now I'm not saying he is Corey Davis, um, but he's got some of those same elements, and I think that's going to help him see the field early. I wouldn't be surprised if he was very, very much involved in the offense early on, even as just a fourth-round pick. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, Mike, because uh, he's known for his uh, – he's got a decent route-running ability coming straight out of college, which, like you said, is the sort of thing that can get you straight in the squad nice and early. And obviously he can play on the outside. He's, what, 6'2 or something? He's got the, the ability to do the deep ball. Yeah. Do you think it opens up the potential for looking towards a tight end who's going to work the middle of the field? And also, Crowder, again, is a player that can actually work the middle of the field well. Do you think that that's the sort of player that that's maybe why they looked at him over other players, that because he's so polished in his route running, 
then straight away you know he's the sort of player that, like you said, is going to come back and fight for your quarterback on balls coming inwards and also with his blocking. Maybe that's why they looked. We need someone who can step in straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think he brings a lot. Like he can do a lot of different things for you. So I, I think he kind of gives them some flexibility and. I think they're in a good spot where they've kind of, you know, much to the frustration, I think, of the fan base at times, they've kind of sat on the potential money that they could access through restructuring contracts. Um, you know, they they could easily free up $16 million simply by restructuring Ryan Tannehill's contract, you know, turning his 2021 salary into a bonus and then just spreading the cap hits out over the next two years of his deal that is available for them. It is not something they have to worry about. They can access that money at any time. They have not done that. They haven't touched anyone's contract yet. A lot of teams have the Titans are, I think uniquely positioned to be able to pick up some of the scraps that are falling off of these other teams, whether it be for salary cap reasons or whatever. Um, And that goes for both releases like Jamison Crowder, who I think will probably be released. And then also trades, you know, the Julio Jones name is floated out there. Zach Ertz is on the trading block. David Njoku's on the trading block. There's a lot of guys that could help the Titans that are available out there. And only a, only there's only so many teams that still have the financial flexibility to make these salaries work. And the Titans are one of them. So I, I think the Titans are very much have very much positioned themselves to be in play for some of these guys that could be added over the next month or so. Miles, you had a couple of other other names, I think, um, that you'd or that you'd like to see yeah. the, the Titans go and get. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to enter the world and say, obviously, I want Mahomes at quarterback. I'm not crazy. <laughs> but obviously, I was thinking to myself, someone like OJ Howard at Tampa, who, you know, they've got Cameron Brake there. They've got, they've just signed up Antonio Brown and they've got Mike Evans. They've got Chris Godwin. I feel a, a tight end who... He's had his moments at Tampa, but has really not performed. But you know the talents there to be a, a really solid passing tight end, tight end who his blocking's okay, but fundamentally he is better with his hands, even though he hasn't shown it so far. I feel he's the sort of receiver that I'd love to see because we've got Fitzpatrick and Brown who can work the outside, similar to what we saw with Smith last year at tight end. Howard's a very similar player. He's got strong hands. Similar to Zach Ertz with his hands, but has so much more athletic ability. Who I'd love to see play in the middle. And then, um, I don't know if you want to go straight onto the defensive side, but really offensively, I feel like tight end is the position that we need to, we really need to get someone who's athletic, who can work the middle of the field. Now we've got Brown and we've got Henry, who we know what he's going to do. And Fitzpatrick, we need someone who can control that midfield. And David and Njoku is similar in terms of athletic ability, where he is going to control the middle of the field. And, he can be like that safety blanket that once upon a time Mariota had with uh, Delaney Walker, where you just knew he could just roll down a quick sort of seven yards and then moves us on to second down. I feel like we need that option for Tannehill right now. So I think in an ideal situation, someone like Howard would be perfect for us. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I like both of those guys quite a bit. Um, you know, either one, both of them have tremendous athleticism, huge upside. Um, they were, you know, very highly uh touted tight ends coming out and for a reason and particularly with Njoku um Njoku is only 24 years old um he came out extremely young in the draft and he is still only 24 years old he's still developing tight ends take forever uh to I develop I'd have had him at level. 30 he seems like he's yeah. been around forever <laughs> yeah yeah he is he I mean he's He's like a year older than uh, I think Rashad Weaver. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Njoku is uh, very much a young guy. I think he's got tremendous upside and he's kind of just, he's stuck in, in Cleveland. Like they've got Austin Hooper. They've got Harrison Bryant who they drafted last year. He kind of got uh, caught in one of those regime changes where the, his GM, his coach are gone and, and the guys that brought him in are gone. And then he got injured early last year uh, and Harrison Bryant kind of took that tight end two spot, and now he's just kind of a wrote in the back of the rotation, like he's a, a third tight end for them. So if you could get him for a pick, uh, I'd be all over that because I think he's the kind of guy you put in the right situation, and you could see him explode because the athletic talent is off the charts with David Njoku. I mean, like freak ability uh, athletically. So 
yeah, if you wanted to find another Johnny Smith, I think those two guys are very much in the same mold. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know what it would take to get them. Um, I know the last I'd seen, uh, Cleveland wanted a third for Njoku. Um, I think you'd probably get them for a little bit less than that, but yeah, I, I'd be all over either of those guys if I was the Titans. Any, any other names that you think the team will try and, will try and get, or that you think should, they should go and get in your opinion. Yeah, I, I think either of those um, would be good options. But I also think um, – I, I think they should go after Julio Jones. And, and <laughs> I, I know, like, you know, he's 32 years old. He's coming off an injury. He's expensive. There's a lot of reasons not to do it. But the Titans window, to me, with this offensive group is right now. Like, that, Tannehill's 33. Derrick Henry's 27. But he's, like – you know, he's had so many carries over the last couple years. And – He's a, the closest thing to Superman in the NFL that there is, but eventually he's going to start to slow down. And, and I don't think we're going to see him go in, you know, well into his 30s, still putting up 2,000 yard seasons, right? So at his peak, you're probably like this year, next year kind of thing. Um, Just imagine the amount the of love spot. with AJ Brown, though. Oh, yeah. 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 Of course, AJ Brown's, uh, you know, hero uh, bringing him onto the team and everything. So. Um, in the offensive line too, Lawan's th- going to be 30, uh, Saffold's going to be 33 this year. Ben Jones is going to be 32. Like that, that group is starting to age yeah. to the point where you're probably not going to have an elite level of play from them for much longer. So I think going for it with a move, like get it going and getting Julio Jones, you know, you can have basically the offense set for the next two years. Cause you know, Tannehill's under contract, Henry's under contract, AJ Brown's under contract, uh, the whole offensive line is under contract for this year and next year, with the exception, I think, of Ben Jones would be the only one they'd have to re-up. But that whole group, you could lock that in, and that's your core, and you go for it these next two years. You already retooled the defense this offseason. You know, you give those guys a little bit of time to gel, but I think you just go for it. Go, go spin the pick. Go get Julio Jones. Let's just go for it with this group and see if we can – you know, go win a Super Bowl. That's I think that's the kind of move you do when you're this close and you need a spot like a wide receiver. I think you just go for it, make the move. Any so on that, would you would you take a 25 percent chance of the Titans winning a Super Bowl in the next three years? But in exchange for that, you get 20 years of misery. <laughs> oh, 25 percent is not very good. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the best chance we got 25 percent. i'll be oh delighted i don't know if i take 20 years after yeah uh, i i guess i probably would just because <laughs> the, a super bowl you know i've I, i've watched this team for almost what we're getting close to 25 years now um they came close once a super bowl would be franchise changing to me like because that puts you in with the team, the the elite teams, you know, the, even just one Super Bowl changes the way the team, the other franchises, the other fans look at your franchise. Like you are a Super Bowl winning franchise at that point. So, I, I think, yeah, give me the twenty five percent chance. I'll take the misery. I've already had misery. You know, I, I can deal with it. All right, let's find final football related question, and it it's going to be just just as crazy, if not more. Look at what Tampa have just done with Tom Brady. Everybody. Well, a lot of people thought he was done. Um, there are rumours probably connecting Aaron Rodgers with 31 franchises right now. Um, there's there's no mileage in this one, is there? I I don't think so. Not for the Titans. I mean, I just don't think they don't are the that. team that, that they don't need Aaron Rodgers as much as other teams do. Now, that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't help them win football games. I think he would. Um, but the Bronco, like other teams are just going to be willing to pay more, I think at the end of the day. And, um, you know, frankly, if Aaron Rodgers is pissed off at the Packers because of his supporting cast there, are you really going to go trade all your picks to bring him in and give him Josh Reynolds as his number two wide receiver? I mean, is he going to be happy with that? Um, I, I don't think so. So I, I, yeah, I, I know, you know, Barnwell speculated it and now it's t- kind of taken off, but I'm, I'm passing on, uh, on the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff right now. Call it call it controversial. I don't want him. He, he yeah. finds it when he joins it. He'll join a team and he'll find a grudge with someone. And it's too much, dare I say, jeopardy. 
on the team uh, to sign him there. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like he knows his career is either set with continuously complaining that Green Bay retiring now or he's going to go elsewhere and complain and moan at someone else. I did read that he hasn't... Green Bay haven't like picked a first round receiver or offensive player in something for like sixteen years or something like that. So I mean he has a reason to move for that reason, but at the same time, I mean, come on. Tanya Hill will do a job. We don't need him. Absolutely. I'm quite quite happy, more than happy with the guy we've got. Um it's just you you just this is Titans Twitter, you see. And any any player that's talked about there'll be a rumour or not even a rumour, someone will suggest it and it will it will gain traction. Absolutely. Um, all right, um, we we can't do a, a podcast without giving you an opportunity to uh, talk about something non-Titans related um, and anything that might be eating away at you. Um, nothing might be nothing to do with sport whatsoever. Um, but if you fancy a rant, here's your platform. Yeah, you know, um, I guess my uh, my biggest pet peeve right now um, is in in you know. Last time I talked to you guys, I had just uh, we had just adopted uh, our son, um, and now he's he's one, um, and he's in preschool. And my biggest pet peeve right now is at the preschool. There's like drop off, so you, everyone's parking in the parking lot, and then you have to get your kid out. and And all of these people are parents, and all of these people know how hard it is to get kids in and out of vehicles, um, and yet people park right next to my car. It, it, there's plenty of spots in the, in the parking in the parking lot, like plenty. You don't have to park right next to anybody. But every day I go there, and then people pull in and park right next to me, and I'm trying to get my kid out of the car. And it's like, well, now we're we both have doors open on the same side, and we're trying to like, why why do people not understand? Leave a space in between when you can when you're parking, and this should go for all uh, all parking situations. Don't park next to somebody if you don't have to. Leave a space in between. You can walk the extra five feet to get across the uh, the, the ex- extra parking spot to wherever you're going. Leave a space. It's better for everybody. These are all parents dropping their kids off or picking them up, right? So you should yeah. you should all know. They should understand. <laughs> Excellent. That's this is exactly what this segment's here for. Um, Miles, um, anything you uh, you want to get off your chest? Um, ironically, I'm now moving on to something that is also driving related. Um, it's the wonderful people we call um, police officers that hold speed guns and how they have this magical ability that whenever I'm in a rush um, to suddenly appear around the corner and catch me speeding. Uh, I'm a very responsible driver, um, but last week I was, uh, I was on my way to a particular um, event or meeting and I had to turn around. And obviously... The moment I had to turn around, I was there like, right, I'm in a rush now. I need to sort of play catch up. I've just moved to my local area, so I don't know all the hotspots of where they hide. But um, I just wanted to congratulate them on their ability to be able to hide. And like, I felt like they were in a ghillie suit. They were like, they were, it was almost like they were hidden amongst the woods up a tree. And somehow <laughs> managed to catch me um, doing a little bit faster than I should have been. So I, I needed to, because at the time I was ringing around, I just needed someone to scream at. Because I knew I'd drive past him. And you know when you make eye contact with the person holding the gun, he's like, yeah, I've just caught you. Um, so in the next couple of days, I'll be getting a nice letter in the post regarding that. So well done, that guy. You've done your job. At the end of the month, obviously, the police need to boost their uh, their budget for the month and take it out on innocent drivers who are in a bit of a rush. But yeah, well well done, that man. Congratulations on ruining my uh, spending this month. Mike, you may not be aware. I don't know if I don't know exactly what they do in the in the states, but over here, if it's like a first offence for for speeding and it's not you're not too far over the limit, you get the option of going to a speed awareness course and sitting in a classroom for a day, being taught that speeding is bad and <laughs> slow drive, yeah. slow steady driving is good. Um, the alternative is you get points on your license and it your insurance go up and stuff like that. So um, yeah, you might I can have confirm it's the latter. <laughs> we, we we have a similar system here yeah we we have traffic school is what they call it over here and uh, yeah I've, I've had to sit through it before and it is the biggest waste of time it's basically you know your punishment is that you have to waste your time yeah yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's, it's the adult version of the naughty step isn't it i think we can all agree on that <laughs> that's right yeah but there's, yeah, there's that one person that will ask questions at the event it's like come on i just want to go home <laughs> and even now they do exactly. it on zoom 
like no one actually cares that you're asking these questions. Like, well, hold on, I've just done 33 and I've 30. It's like, no, we don't care. No one cares. Like, Let's go home. Exactly. Touch wood. I've never been to one. Um, <laughs> I've just I've jinxed it now. Um, Harry, what have you got? Yeah, so my non-Titans related is slightly Titans related, but it holds into the whole NFL. And it's why does the NFL draft have to take three days and about 10 hours of my time? Like, I get this is potentially franchise changing, but you've had like months and months and months and months to play out different scenarios, different things in your head of this team picks this team, this team trades up. Maybe we think about trading up for this player. What do we do in this scenario? You've even got a night two nights to decide what you want to do in between the draft. Like, you've got round one, okay, I understand that. Then you've got round two and three, then you get another night, and then you've got three, four, five, six, seven. Like, come on. We don't need all this time on a draft to pick players who, let's be honest, in the sixth, seventh, maybe even the fifth round, ain't even getting on your roster. And then afterwards, there's this whole, hey, like, extra I'll talk to Racy about that. <laughs> there's this whole extra round of like undrafted free agents and you you hear like these absolute tropes about people going well you know we just didn't draft him in the seventh because we knew we'd get him as an undrafted free agent well like come on like seriously i've wasted so much of my time trying to google people i can't even pronounce the names of one of them is our new right tackle potentially <laughs> that's seriously? that's why we got mike on to uh to, to tell us yeah that was legit probably one of like top three reasons but like seriously like what am i going to do with these players who i've not really heard of i usually just watch the highlight tape on and any players tape should look good if they're going to the nfl like if you've got a highlight tape of like a three yard slant and then getting tackled what, what are we meant to do with that like come on so i just as, as, I, was, as I was saying pre-podcast i think i've got more catches than racing mcmath on tape I could stand a chance of actually getting signed up because he's only got about 500 yards in the college football. I reckon I stand a chance oh. now. This, this is true. where I've got to doff, doff my cap to the GMs out there who, who do, do all this homework and, and people like Mike as, as well who actually, actually um, know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's hey, a mind. By, by the also, sixth round, I'm guessing too. I'm, okay, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know who I, that is. I was, I was listening to um, ESPN Daily the other day and they had like a draft analyst on can't remember which one and he was basically saying like oh well how do you study tape and all this and like the whole like scouting of tape and stuff and he was like which position do you find most boring and he was like well safety because the college games evolve so much now that it's just like such a quick passing game and like rpos that really once you get past like the top three or four safeties in the draft you have to troll for hours and hours and hours just to see them even like get near the ball and just how they react to a deep pass so exactly. like Fair play to the guys that do it, but like seriously, when we get to like the fourth and sixth, like seventh round, can't we just put it on like a two two minute clock, like Madden, and that should be fine. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> even worse draft. over here. The the first two days of the draft are in the middle of the night. Also, the Jags don't really need another eight and a half minutes to tell us they're taking Trevor Lawrence. Like, exactly. They've had all off season. <laughs> um, just schedule the draft, and they immediately have to have their pick in. <laughs> Yeah, but that wouldn't make for good t- television, would it? Um, I'm going to leave you with a very, very quick observation. And this is not me being anti-Star Wars at all, but I am oh, as God. over May the 4th be with you. It sounds a bit like May the 4th be with you. We've heard this joke before. It's it's the superb owl for me. Like, just, just stop it. <laughs> um, apologies to anybody I might be speaking to who made one of those jokes two days ago. Actually, I don't apologise. I'll take that back. <laughs> I think I only oh, tweet Superb Owl now because it just, annoys just you. Just to annoy me, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only reason I do it now. <laughs> um, be- before we let you go, Mike, well, firstly, thanks so much for your time and for coming on again. Um, it's been great fun. Um, you've certainly taught me a few things, made me feel more optimistic about this season. Um, give us or um, tell us where or tell our listeners i should say where they can find more of your work yeah so um on twitter uh you can follow me at mike miracles i try to uh in- engage as much as i can on there um but then also uh all of my written stuff goes on uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com um we've got a lot of great writers there john glennon um justin graver 
uh, you know, Josh Hong, a, a lot of people um, on the site that, that do great work. Um, and then uh, podcast-wise, uh, Football and Other F-Words, you can look it up on uh, whatever platform you're probably listening to this on right now. Um, me and uh, my co-host there do a, a weekly show. I think we're out every Tuesday uh, morning generally. So um, check us out there, and you can find that on Twitter as well at F-WordsPod. Excellent. Um, thanks again. Thanks, Harry. Thanks, Miles. And thank you, anybody who has listened this far. Um, we've gone nearly an hour, which wasn't intentional, um, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, it's certainly an above average listen by our usual standards. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks once again. And, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you soon. Tighten up, everybody. Tighten up. Tighten up.